Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sends Hour podcast. Uh, it's a, been a wild week. You know, World Juniors wrapped up. We have a week and a half just over for the NHL games. It's been crazy. Uh, so we got it all. We're going to recap the World Juniors, talk about camp, and we got AHL news to talk about. But let's get into it. World Juniors wrapped up yesterday with a disappointing loss. If you're Canada fans, if you're uh, American fans, well, congratulations. You guys won. Um, and as a Suns fan, you're kind of in between. You know, Sanderson, Clevin, get your gold medals. They'll probably be back next year for that roster. Um, don't worry, Derek, I was not talking about the Senators in that tweet. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's my reading tweets on the go kind of thing. I'm always uh, looking at Twitter and doing 10 other things at the same time. And then I read a tweet really quick, and I'm like, what are you talking about, Shane? Like, you really think Tyler Clevin's going to be on the Ottawa Senators next year? And then, uh, yeah, quickly, uh, a lot of people reminded me of what you were talking about real quick. So, yeah, yeah so my, my bad. <laughs> yeah, my phone died, and I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time for bed. So I didn't see your response until morning. I was just like, hey, it happens. You know, it was like 11 o'clock or like 1 o'clock at night. So <laughs> it's a pass. Just ignore me. <laughs> Um, but overall, you know, Timmy Stutzla was named forward of one of the forwards of the tournament. Uh, obviously, Zegris rightfully deserving of tournament MVP. Devon Le- uh, Le- Levi, goaltender of the tournament. But we're going to focus on Timmy Stutzla. He played for Germany. Big reason Germany was even in the medal rounds or close to the medal rounds. He's not going to be back next year, even though he would be eligible. But you know, Germany has a lot to build off and they have a strong, a strong international team coming up in the pipes in the next couple of years. Yes, they do. They uh, can certainly build off that effort. I thought, um, is it Florence Elias? I, I know I bought, I'm completely. I think it's like Florian, Florence uh, Eliash. Eliash. Yeah. I believe. So, there we go. I, I really, I was really impressed by Eliash. Um, I thought he had a phenomenal tournament playing center. Uh, it is kind of tough uh, tough to judge some of these players because they were playing with Tim Stutzla. Uh, and obviously, Tim Stutzla was one of the best players in the, in the entire tournament. So having him on their line, uh, it'll be different next year for Florence Eliash. And that's a... I don't know why I'm having so much trouble saying that guy's name, but, uh, but he will probably be drafted next year as well. Uh, I know he was passed over. Was he passed over this year in the draft? I think he wasn't drafted this year. He might be too young. Um, I thought he was a draft eligible this season. I think you're muted, Shane. God, today has not been going well for me. Mike dies. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, I think he's like two and a half weeks or a month older than Byfield. Oh, okay. So there you go. So he was draft eligible. I thought I heard that somewhere. It might have been you that told me that, but – he was draft eligible, so he was passed over this year. He won't get passed over next year. He was uh, phenomenal at that tournament. Uh, and J.J. Paterka, um, if he's eligible to return, have to again, I'd have to look at uh, the age factor there to see when he turns 20. But uh, if he can return, he'll be a huge factor. And Lucas Reichel, who couldn't participate in the tournament as well, uh, should be a positive factor for Germany next season. Yeah, and I mean, hey, with the Olympics, up next winner, it's a will be part of Team Germany. 
Like that that's a crazy thing is that we're gonna he's gonna be part of Team Germany. Leon Dreisaitl is gonna be part of Team Germany. Paterk is most likely gonna be part of Team Germany. And I believe a lot of the guys who won silver in uh in 2018 are also gonna be back. So Germany right now should not be discounted as a team to take lightly come the come the uh the Olympics. And who knows if they do decide to have a world juniors, if it's pushed back or whatnot. Whatever they do, there's going to be some intense international hockey tournament between now and then. I would hope for us to see Timmy Stutzla in the Olympics next in the Olympics in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of more focused on him starting with the Ottawa Senators in like nine days or whatever it is. But um, but yeah, at some point in time, he will rejoin uh, his German squad internationally. Um, you know, being one of the best German players alongside uh, Leon Dreisaitl, as you mentioned. I think Moritz Seider will definitely be uh, a huge part on that team as well. Uh, the Detroit uh, Red Wings draft pick. Uh, similar to Sanderson is uh, Seider. Uh, you know, he went much higher than people anticipated him going. So uh, he'll be an interesting player for the uh, German squad as well. Yeah, I agree. And I mean... Uh, so I looked up Perturga. He will be eligible to return next season as his birthday is literally next Thursday, January 14th. So he's turning 19. He'll be, he's kind of like um, Cam York who turned 20 last, last night and how Perfetti turned 19 on the first. So those guys, those two will be eligible to return next year's tournament. Don't know if Perfetti will, but you know, Yarventi comes home with a bronze you know, bittersweet oh. tournament. He gets benched for the bronze medal game. We know it's it's a it's a short tournament. Are we looking too much into it, or are we thinking, okay, you know, he just wasn't in the right situation this year. He'll be back next year. He'll have a better tournament next year. Yeah, I mean, we we could make excuses for Robbie Arventi, but the the fact is, he really did not have a good tournament. He didn't have a good showing. He he lacked intensity. Um, he really just wasn't the player that everyone was expecting him to be coming in. Um, I'm, I'm concerned, but not to the point where I'm concerned where I'm completely writing him off as a prospect. I think it's tough when you see someone like JJ Paterka uh, performing the way that he did alongside, you know, good friend and teammate Tim Stutzla, who also happens to be an Ottawa Senator um, when Ottawa, you know, was right there and they had two opportunities to take JJ Paterka it's tough not to focus on a situation like that, but it is also important to keep in mind Paterka is older. Um, and, you know, aside from that, Robbie Arventi, he was one of the youngest players in the entire draft. Um, he's still an 18 year old kid. Uh, he'll be back next year and hopefully he'll come back and kind of restore some of the confidence that uh, the Sens fans had for this uh, draft uh, uh, drafted prospect uh, going into next year's tournament. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, there's also another like half season to play over in Liga. So, again, we shouldn't look too much into it. We shouldn't take this as stone. But hopefully he can find his groove again in Liga and kind of bounce back and show us why we were so excited about him when the season first started. But honestly, a bittersweet tournament for Canada. Uh, 6-0 and going into the game in gold medal game to get shut out. Um, you know, we all know, uh, if you've been following the show long enough on Twitter, I'm not the hugest Byfield fan. 
I think he lacks the motor that you want from a, a top pick. You know, like, and here's the thing: I think if you put Stutzla on Team Canada, you put Byfield in Germany. I think Germany is worse off with Byfield than they would be with Stutzla. And, and that's just my personal opinion. I was expecting him to step up to the plate in the gold medal game. And he didn't seem, but there, I mean, there's plenty of guys like that. I think Drysdale could have done a little bit more. We kind of saw a little bit more of a conservative Drysdale than we we've seen before. But I think Knight is really the story of the game. He stood on his head. You know, we got out shot 34 to like 21 or something like that by the end of the game, you know, Knight kind of regained his form, but you know, what's your takeaway from, from this entire tournament and that gold medal game for team Canada? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the expectations were way too high for Team Canada. It's one game sample size. They had a really weak division, and I think that played a, a huge role into that game. They just seemed ill-prepared for the United States squad that came in and absolutely stole the first two periods of that game. I mean, it wasn't close. They had sole uh, puck possession, you know, that whole second period. It looked like they were on a power play at times. Uh, and it was five on five. I thought uh, structurally the U.S. was more prepared. I thought they were the more skilled team with players like Zegras. Um, if Kirby Doc was in the converse- conversation, if Alexi Lafreniere was in the conversation, it, we might be looking at a different result. But the fact is Canada didn't have any difference makers. And, you know, when, whether you want to point the finger at Drysdale or, or point the finger at um, Quinton Byfield, who – is a player that uh, I think a lot of people had high expectations for being the second overall pick. Um, he, he didn't perform, you know, again, once again, when, when the lights were as bright as possible and the stage was set, um, ultimately Quentin Byfield did not perform. And, you know, take that as you will. I, I still think he has a very, very high NHL season and I'm not ready to write him off based on one tournament. Um, but at the same time, it's now a collection of international tournaments that Quentin Byfield has underperformed at. And the only place he's really performed well at, um, you know, aside from his development leading up to has been the OHL where he's very dominant there, but I just don't see, I don't see a second overall player when I look at Quentin Byfield, at least when I look at the sample size from the collection of international tournaments that he's played at, you know, he's playing with, way too short of a hockey stick, which is one thing that kind of irritated me prior to the draft. Um, He's forcing himself to kind of hunch over and play with a short hockey stick because that's what he's comfortable with. So he's sacrificing, you know, a lot of reach and also sacrificing a a skating position as well. So he's playing in kind of a a down crunched position um, that doesn't uh, give him full mobility of his upper body. He's not overly physical, and when he tries to be, it's not overly effective. He doesn't win puck battles, and, and as you alluded to, it's it's the motor problems that are probably his biggest issue at this point, and it probably sounds like I hate Quentin Byfield right now. And, and like I said, that's not the case. Uh, what I'm saying is he's going to need a lot of seasoning. Agreed. And I mean, here's the thing. like Byfield has a lot of potential, and everyone keeps talking about potential, and you always draft on potential. But I've, you know, being able to watch him in the OHL, you know, he had six games, not last year, but the year before with the playoffs against Ottawa. He had two points in six games. And most of the time when he was on the ice, Kevin Ball was on the ice. 
and he got shut down because he, we saw it. He can be physical, but he's not. Uh, and you mentioned the stick. I had no idea that he actually played with a shorter stick than he, he should be. Um, so that's not a good thing. But he was benched. Like, he was a, a healthy scratch for the gold medal game last year. And I remember that. And to me, that was a big red light, like a, a big red flag. You're, you're projected to be the second overall pick. You have a guy that is supposed to go in front of you who's been leading this team, and you're benched. You know, you're you're in the press box. And you're and I, I know people are going to say, oh, you know, his age, he's the youngest player, this and the other thing. Who cares? Yeah, like, we're really, talking who? about six months. I mean, we're not talking about <laughs> – we're He's not talking about anything substantial. We're there, talking there's about a couple of, there's a couple of like 16 year olds at the tournament who had a better tournament than Byfield did. Outside Bene- of Veneers was far and away better than Byfield. Lambert on the Finns was far and away there, better. There than was Byfield. a Slovak guy. I can't I can't remember his name. He was 16. Yeah. You know, outside of Byfield's one game where he had six points, he was invisible. And you know, if I'm a Kings fan, I'm a little bit worried. I know it's a small tournament, but from what I've seen of Byfield, like I'm very worried about how much hype this person has gotten because of his size and how he's just been such a big kid, how he's dominated his his age groups for, for years that he hasn't actually had to work the same as someone, you know, who who kind of grew into that. You know, I think that's kind of what we've seen is, you know, players who grow into their size at you know 18 19 have a harder work ethic who than guys who are just huge by the time they're you know 18 or have been big for the previous years and it's no not like i mean it is a knock on byfield but i was expecting something big and you know he had two open nets and missed them he it, it, yeah and i think you know the the most hurtful thing when it comes to Byfield is maybe not even his own performance, but just how he was outperformed by many players that were drafted after him. You know, I, I think Drysdale, who you alluded to, maybe didn't have the greatest night last night, but, uh, you know, in a whole, he had a, a pretty decent tournament. Um, but Anton Lundell, like he's been dominant. He's been Finland's best player far and away. He was drafted 12th overall. Um, you know, would you not prefer if you're redrafting today, would you not prefer to go with the safe choice than to draft on maybe potential just because Quentin Byfield skates like the wind? I mean, uh, and, and of course, Tim Stutzla, you know, we're not going to forget mentioning his name when it comes to the draft, but he outperformed Byfield like far and away. Byfield wouldn't even be, a, if, and, it, and it's crazy to say that we are like three months post-draft and Byfield would Probably not even crack the top 10. It's very possible that he could drop out of the top 10 if we were going to do a redraft. And again, people are probably going to say that, you know, we have this biased perspective because we're Sens fans and we have some kind of hate on for Byfield just because he was picked by LA ahead of Tim Stutzla. That's not the case. Like, like I said before, I still have very high expectations for Quentin Byfield when he reaches the NHL level. But, uh, you know, you can't discount what you've seen over now a collection of international appearances where he's just been completely absent, you know, aside from one kind of six-point blow-up game where it looked like he might sort of rewrite things and and change his tournament uh, and then just kind of fell flat after that once again. Yeah, and I mean, like, 
And okay, and I mean, for me, it's, it has something to do with the fact that he was picked by LA. I've literally had issue with Byfield being the second overall pick dating back to last October. I had Rossi ahead of, of Byfield. And I still think that, you know, if Byfield's not Canadian or American, hell, I, will, I don't even think if he's American, he would do much different. You know, I think if you were to replace Byfield with Lundell, Stutzla, Rossi, uh, you know, even Holtz or Raymond in auto in Canada's lineup, they are far better of a team than they would be with Byfield. Yeah, uh, Raymond and Holtz both had phenomenal tournaments. That's what I mean. Like a, a lot of these players that were selected after Byfield have kind of proven themselves already. They've proven their selection, and this is it, it was a loaded draft at the top. Like these players are going to go on to become star players in the NHL. A lot of them will. It, it was an absolute loaded draft. And if the number two overall pick is the guy that's the, the bust out of this, because not all of them are going to go on to be star players, it happens every year. You know, that's a huge miss uh, from the LA Kings perspective. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. It's way too early to say that. Um, but at the same time, it, is there cause for concern at this point? Yes. 100%. And I mean... Who knows? Maybe the, maybe this year, the fact that he hasn't played a meaningful game since March, maybe it hurt him a little bit. You know, he was going against guys who who have been playing, but most of Team Canada hasn't been playing. So I don't know how far of an excuse that is. So, hey, maybe he goes to L.A. and he he shows us all wrong. But right now, I'm not riding the byfield train at all. I have it parked in the station just, you know, it's being worked on and it'll go when it goes. But with that being said, you know, they've, they've already come out with next year grouping uh if you don't remember next year's world juniors will also be in red deer so in it's canada finland germany czech republic and austria and red deer it's the u.s russia sweden slovakia and switzerland so basically the bottom two seeds flip basically for both um divisions I think it's stupid how they have this. So it's basically Edmonton is three, two, three, six, seven, ten. Red Deer is one, four, five, eight, nine. Does it not make more sense to do even and odd? Like two, four, six, eight, ten, and then one, three, five, seven, nine. Like, th- does that not make more sense if it's how you finish? You know, do odd, odd and evens? Like, what? They've always got to complicate it in, you know, some way, shape, or form. But, uh, yeah, who knows how these people put these things together. There's also some, you know, some really head-scratching rules that they have at the IIHF uh, as well. You know, the whole crease violation, I was kind of ranting on Twitter about that, where they stop the play to call someone for skating through the crease. And it's like, are you kidding me? You're going to stop the play for that? It, it's ridiculous. So, you know, th- there's a few IIHF things that are just um, just flat out, they don't make sense. <laughs> they make absolutely no sense. But uh, but shifting gears a little bit, um, what did you think of Jake Sanderson's performance in that uh, gold medal winning game? I know from a Team Canada perspective, it's a tough pill to swallow, but uh, you can't help but, uh, you know, from a Sens perspective, you can't help but watch the top prospects there. So how did you feel about Sanderson? Uh, maybe not specifically last night, but over the course of the tournament. The fact that he was probably one of the youngest players outside of Beniers, I think he was one of the youngest players uh, on this team USA roster. And there's a good chance that he will be back. Same with Beniers and Clevin. 
there's a good chance that a lot of these guys, some of these guys are back next season. I had, I loved it or next tournament. He was fantastic outside of Cam York. He was arguably their best defenseman outside of York. You know, yeah, Thrun had some made some really nice plays. We remember that pass, you know, that everyone thought it was Sanderson. Yeah. The <laughs> Zegers, you know, uh, Helen, uh, Helenson had some good plays. Like they had their yeah, defense. Partner. Yeah. yeah. Like they had good plays, but I think overall Sanderson was the best player outside of Cam York on that defensive squad. Pretty sure he had, he ended up playing the most minutes in the gold medal game. Second most among defensemen uh, behind York. He's going to wear the C next year. Yeah. So, so yeah, when you're talking about, I mean, on the contrary, we were just talking about Quentin Byfield and his sort of inability to rise to the occasion when the lights are, you know, the brightest. It's almost reverse for Jake Sanderson. We've seen the best of Jake Sanderson, and I think he saved his best performance for the gold medal game. That's when he was at his best. He was arguably U.S.'s best player outside of Trevor Zegras uh, last night. I, I think, you know, ahead of Cam York, he had the most minutes, as you alluded to. He was just rock solid defensively. Uh, he made some really solid plays offensively. Um, I thought there was one one occasion where I criticized him for bobbling a puck, and it was like right at the beginning of the game where he had a little bit of white ice, and he had a little bit of skating room, and he didn't quite know what to do with it. Um, but after that, he settled down, uh, and he just looked – very confident. He won basically every single puck battle that he was in. He made it impossible for Team Canada to get to the front of the net. I mean, they just really didn't have any solid chances against Spencer Knight, and large in part is thanks to number eight, Jake Sanderson. Yeah, I mean, you know, USA had a game plan. I mean, I know, I know, I was a little bit vocal about the the whole barrel thing. Um, being classes, I stand by that. I, I don't care if it's a barrel or a trash can. If it's a locker room thing, it stays in the locker room because you bring that out, you know what to, you know, people are going to react to it a certain way. Uh, I think it's a bad look for USA Hockey and, and for Lehman and, and that group of kids. Uh, obviously, I don't think Sanderson's that kind of guy. I know they're caught in the moment and whatnot. But overall, like USA deserved to win that game. You know, Spencer Knight stood on his head, Canada had chances. Byfield missed two open nets. Uh, like they got the they got the bounces, and, and that's basically it, right? You know, the Turcotte goal was a beautiful play. They controlled the play in the first period. The Zegers goal was an unfortunate bounce on the back of the net. You can't win them all. It's unfortunate. USA deserved to win, uh, and it just means to come back next year is going to be uh, a lot of a lot tougher and we won't have as many guys returning. Yeah, I, th- I thought Team Canada's best player was probably the goaltender, Devin Levi. I honestly, I thought he had a calm, cool, collected uh, mentality playing that game. And I thought maybe he would be overwhelmed going in. Wasn't the case at all. He gave them every opportunity to win that game, but uh, they a- they had absolutely nothing offensively. Um, you know, very little attack. As you alluded to, they missed a couple of uh, open net opportunities when they did have a chance. Um, but but U.S. deserved to win. They were the better team. Uh, they had the higher uh, talented players, I think, in Zegras. Uh, definitely in Zegras, Turcotte up front. You know, they had a few players that just had that it factor. Um, even Caulfield at times. I know he had an underwhelming performance when it comes to stats, but he had a whole lot of opportunity. Um, he just reminds me of Cam Atkinson a little bit. 
I just think the guys kind of showed up. Though, though like their top players showed up, Canada's didn't. Outside yeah. of Dylan Cousins and maybe McMichaels forward-wise, and Byram on the back end, you know, no one else really showed up. It was like I, I thought, you know, maybe we would see a guy like Tomasino step up like he has or or Jack Quinn or, or Zary, and it's just it, it hasn't. And it, and it didn't happen. And, you know, unfortunately, hey, who knows? If they play, if they were getting ready to play the game in half an hour tonight, you know, who knows what the outcome will be? You know, that, and that's the reason why they play the games. Um, but overall, like, it was a good tournament for Canada. Uh, next year is going to be really interesting to see who they bring, uh, what kind of team they ice. But it's a disappointing end. Hey, they still got silver, and it's kind of hard to, to be upset when you've meddled almost every year in the last decade and a bit. No, absolutely. And, and yeah, like you said, it was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a lot of fun to watch hockey again and to kind of get us ready for the NHL season, which seems super weird to say at this stage, because generally we're in the midst of the NHL season uh, when the world juniors is on. Um, so it, it's, you know, something that kind of leads us into the world juniors and kind of gave Tim Stutzla a little bit of a test ride, uh, before he arrives at Sens camp, which I think is uh, due to happen on the ninth or 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 10th because right. the ninth is his last day of quarantine, if I'm remember right. correctly. So he'll be there on the ninth, uh, and Ottawa uh, could get to work, uh, in terms of where they're going to place him, who they're going to play him with. Um, who do you think his first line mates could be or should be? Uh, they're most likely going to be Derek Stefan and probably like Connor Brown. So two veteran players. I think that makes, to me, that makes the most sense too. Uh, so putting him on what will probably be the second line, I think we could say uh, with Stefan, a guy with tons of experience uh, who's going to wear an A this season for Ottawa and Connor Brown, who I thought would be wearing an A this season for Ottawa, but uh, they gave it to Good Branson and Stepan instead. Um, you know, either way, uh, two experienced players. I, I don't know that they have huge offensive capabilities, so um, he might be required to drive that line. Um, but I do agree with you. I think that's probably who he's going to play with. Connor Brown was probably the most consistent forward all year. You know, I think he finished second in points behind Kachuk. I think Connor Brown's a better point getter than than we've been able to see in his career. And playing with a guy like Stutzla should improve that. Uh, but you know, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we got Bar. We got a little break for a commercial from Barnell Breakdown, uh, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. When we come back from that. We're going to dive into Sense Camp. A lot of big news coming out over the last couple of days from DJ Smith and Code. We all know there's been no. Unfortunately, there hasn't been any live streams or anything coming from camp. So visuals are a little bit low, but we'll be right back and we'll have Sense Camp right around the corner. Did you know that your favorite band also loves your favorite hockey team? If you love hockey and you love music, you're going to love Bar Down Breakdown, a podcast that explores the crossover between alternative music and the sport we love, hockey. Every NHL player wants to be in a band, and every band guy wants to be an, an, you know, a pro athlete. With guests from all over the globe, come along with us as we interview some of the most captivating names in alternative music and talk about why we love hockey and how it's influenced us. You know, there was a, for a few seconds, I thought, of like, well, maybe we should wear Montreal jerseys. And 
Yeah, and so I was like, mm, I think you should stay neutral. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. So tune in every Tuesday on the Hockey Podcast Network, where we'll have a brand new guest and a unique look into the bridge between hockey and music. And we are back. Just a reminder, we do have our customized sports jersey giveaway kit going on. You can head over to our Twitter, Instagram to to enter. Super easy. Let us know who you want. Take three friends. And, yeah, winner will be picked up at the end of the month. Pick whatever reverse retro jersey kit you want. It doesn't have to be Senators related. But with that being said, we are – a week and a half away. We are basically, I don't know, uh, nine days away, ten days away right now from Ottawa's first game of the 21 season against Toronto. Big news coming out of camp today. Anisimov and Colin White have been the two most impressive players at camp, according to DJ Smith. Who would have thought of that going into camp? Hmm. I mean, I, it, it really makes me wonder. They're putting a lot of they're pumping and Nisimov's tires an awful lot. Uh, Colin White as well. You know, could it be kind of just a, a confidence boosting thing that they're doing with White? It certainly could be. Um, we talked about the Pierre-Luc Dubois rumors last week. And I just kind of wonder, you know, if, if Columbus is interested in Colin White, are the senators trying to send signals via the media that, Colin White's kind of refound his game and looks like the real thing and, you know, really kind of pumping his tires. And the same thing could be said with Anisimov. You know, when you look at the sheer number of centers that the Senators have, they won't be able to play everyone this year. They won't be able to sort of integrate Logan Brown or Josh Norris with any consistency because they have too many centers as is. So, um, you know, I, I kind of wonder, and I was wondering out loud on Twitter whether the Senators are pumping Anisimov's tires for the simple fact that they want to trade him, or is he genuinely uh, a standout in camp? And, and then they showed the highlight of the goal that he scored uh, against Matt Murray in training camp, and uh, he kind of went uh, forehand, backhand. It was a great move around the pad. And then I was thinking, maybe it's the real thing. You know, Maybe he's just genuinely having a really good camp. He had 15 goals last year. Like, I don't think, like, I know he, he's been bad by the metrics and whatnot, but I think it's actually genuine that Anisimov has come in. He's been, he's healthy. He's ready to go and he's having a good camp. It's the same thing with White. I think this is a legitimate, you know, they're asking who the best players are in camp right now and who's impressed DJ Smith the most. And I think DJ Smith is being honest and saying that, you know, Anisimov and Colin White have kind of shown that they want to play. And I don't, I don't think DJ Smith has elaborated in what kind of roles he's given Colin White. You know, he elaborated on Paquette playing on the on the wing to allow more people at center. So, like, who knows? Like, I don't really know what they're going with Colin White. Maybe he is playing wing. We'll, we'll find out later. But, you know, I think it's a legitimate. Like, these are two players that have stood out to me since camp started a couple of days ago. And I, I think it's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, it, it is positive for sure. I just uh, kind of wondered if there was an ulterior motive, you know, suggested uh, kind of attached to that. But I, I'm probably just reading into things and maybe being a little bit hopeful that Ottawa is indeed targeting Pierre-Luc Dubois. But, uh, but at the same time, it would be great if Anisimov came and, you know, showed that he could kind of recapture some of 
what he brought to the Chicago Blackhawks back in the, you know, Kane and Taves uh, prime days when he played with them. Um, you know, Anisimov, like you said, 15 goals is is nothing to kind of turn away from. He, I don't think he had barely any assists to, to go with that because he didn't have very many points. So um, was it, was it just the goal scoring? I, I don't know what yeah, the he had 20 number. points. He had 20 points in like 40 some games, but he had 15 goals, five of them on the power play, five assists. Like I think it needs some off. Yeah. UK, you, maybe there is a little bit of pumping, pumping the tires and, you know, trying to gas him up a little bit. So teams are a little bit more interested in it, but you can also say the same thing about Logan Brown that they're doing right now, you know, saying that he's he's working really well in the power play. He's he's doing this and that very well, but, you know, he still needs to show me what he can do and how he, how he performs over the last five days of camp is really what's going to tell me if he's going to be in camp, which means, you know, if he doesn't, then, then what does it mean for his value? What does it mean where, like, you know, if he doesn't succeed those last five days of camp, will they look to move on from him? You know, there's a lot of interesting storylines, and I knew there would be with this camp, with just the number of players that are invited to it. Um, And it really is a matter of us probably reading into everything that we're seeing right now. It's early on until we have the lineups in front of us and it's January 15th. I think it's all kind of guesswork, um, you know, from our end, from a a fan perspective, because we really have no indication of what they plan on doing. They were giving Josh Norris reps with Kachuk and Dadnov initially. And I think Sen's Twitter read into that and, you know, suggested that Norris was going to make the team over Logan Brown. And then, you know, two days later, now Logan Brown is the guy between Kachuk and Dadnov. So um, they are trying different things on and they're going to do that for the duration of camp. Um, I'm really interested to see where things go and Paquette and Coburn and Stutzla and Stepan all join camp and we've got the whole group together and they're going to be forced to kind of separate the two groups. Um, so that will be a little bit more telling and we'll be able to read into it a little bit more when they do that. Yeah, and I mean, it should be sometime next week. Uh, you know, we're still missing Tierney, Abramov, and Balsers, I'm pretty sure, are still out with injuries. Uh, yeah. And it, it makes for interesting storylines. Obviously, camp, we haven't gotten a lot out of camp, No, vis- not a lot of visuals, because they haven't allowed reporters in, and they haven't set up a live stream. And I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. Uh, it'd be great to be able to go in there, but apparently, you know, provincial rules won't allow it right now. So it is what it is. Uh, you know, I know we've seen people uh, advocate to get some others into the, uh, into the media room or media cycle, which would be great. Um, but right now I just don't see it happening, but you know, Brandstrom is missing. And that, that's the big thing. Nothing about Brandstrom due to his quarantine. We've talked about it before. You know, if, a guy like and again, we haven't really heard much from DJ Smith about how that defense is is holding out outside of Shabbat and and Kachuk or Shabbat and, and Goodbranson. I wonder if they're they're optimistic that he'll come back in whenever he does and show that he belongs to, belongs on the roster. You know, I have my doubts when it comes to Eric Brandstrom's ability to crack this roster. I just think there's too many bodies in front of him that he'd have to he'd have to come to camp. And this whole COVID situation probably is going to hurt his chances even more. Um, but I thought he was a long shot to begin with to make this roster. And I think he's probably a longer shot now. Um, 
We'll see. I've been wrong many times before. So uh, I would gladly be wrong when it comes to Brandstrom. You know, I hope nothing but the best. And I hope he comes to camp and shows that he's an NHL ready player. But uh, I'm not sure if that's the case. And I'm not sure if the Sens are really in the business of rushing players that they don't feel are NHL ready players, especially in that position as a defenseman. You know, when you have one of the bigger roles on the team, it's it's easier to transition a winger than it is uh, a center, and it's easier to s- transition a center than it is a defenseman. So, you know, it's it's one of the hardest transitions uh, to come into the league for a young player like Brandstrom. Hundred percent, and it leads to the next question. Really, is uh, the AHL starting up? Uh, there, there's going to be five divisions: Belleville, Manitoba the Jets affiliate, you have the Toronto with the Marlies and Laval Rockets who have come out and said that they're going to be playing center, Montreal's affiliate. You know, we should be starting to see some players cut uh, sometime next week if if they feel like there's going to be a training camp opening up uh, with Belleville over the next, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks. So, you know, Stutzla is supposed to be here on the 10th which would be sometime early next week. The same with Tierney and, you know, uh, Bromoff and Balsers. There's a good chance they send a Bromoff Balsers down to Belleville and just tell them, hey, get ready for Belleville camp. Um, I don't see them doing that with Balsers, but definitely a Bromoff. Branstrom could be in the sa- a similar situation where they just tell him, like, hey, you're, you're not making it. We're going to send you down to, to Belleville camp and go from there. Yeah, and maybe lump Formanton in that group as well. But I think... You know, a lot of the players that were kind of, we were hopeful that could crack the roster. Uh, as we alluded to, the Senators went out and they got a whole bunch of veteran players that are probably going to make the roster, at least initially. Um, we've got that taxi squad. So uh, you don't want the young players sitting in the taxi squad. So that's, you know, the reasoning for going out and getting some of these veteran players. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have a number one line of something like Balsers, Abramov, and Formanton down in the AHL, most likely. Maybe Josh Norris uh, joins joins them. Maybe Logan Brown joins them. Um, it's going to be a really good team. I'm just as excited to see what Belleville puts together for a team, um, especially with Ridley Gregg. He's a player that we really haven't talked a lot about, but with no OHL season um, on the horizon this year, uh, Ridley Gregg, I expect, will be in Belleville. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but uh, what do you think about that? He's allowed to play in Belleville up until a season is announced for for the Brandon Wheat Kings out in the Western Hockey League, but he's still dealing with COVID-related issues, uh, apparently. That's why he wasn't at camp. So, they may have signed him and been like, hey, you're going to go down to Belleville. You're not going to come to camp, rest up, go down to Belleville, and you'll you'll get started at Belleville if there is no camp. Uh, I think there's hope that that won't be the case for him. There, I think there's hope that he can stay in Lethbridge, is I think where he, he's at, and he'll be able to go to Brandon and play out of Brandon instead of having to go to Belleville and then have to quarantine for a little bit in Belleville and then have to go to you know, Brandon, quarantine Brandon before he's able to play. But if he's at, if he's on the team, I I still don't think he plays much. I, unless, you know, they 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 want to put him in the lineup. I just don't see it don't see it happening. Well I, I don't know. I see him, you know, he's one of their prominent prospects. He was a first round pick right at the end of the first round 
from this uh, previous draft. So I, I feel like they'll want to get him some minutes. Um, you know, from a fan perspective, I'm just excited to see this kid play. I've seen the highlights. You know, I've heard the style that he plays with and the type of tenacity that he plays with. Um, and I'd love to see it in Belleville, even if it's just for a few games. So um, my hope is that they do give him a few reps in a top six role that, you know, we could see what this kid could be in the future. Um, we didn't get to see it, unfortunately, at the World Juniors with how everything unfolded with the COVID. And who knows if he would have made that team. Um, maybe the Canadians could have used a player like Greg last night, someone who, you know, wouldn't be afraid to get in the American space and mix it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it would be nice to uh, just to see Belleville hockey again, just as it would Ottawa hockey again. So I know we're both big uh, Belleville fans. So I'm looking forward to both the seasons firing up. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested because they have the AHL TV and I've heard really bad things about the AHL TV, uh, you know, sound quality, visual quality. They really need to figure out what to do if they want money. I know they, they three teams aren't playing. You have the Milwaukee Admirals, the who were the favorite in the West to go to the Calder Cup last year, um, who were the Nashville affiliates. There's rumors that they're joining up with um, the Chicago Wolves, which happen to be Carolina's affiliate now. Uh, you have the um, Charlotte Checkers, who I believe are joining up out in um, – or Springfield. Springfield's joining up, uh, which I believe is Florida's affiliate. Or no, St. Louis's affiliate, I think, is joining up with Syracuse. And then I think the Charlotte Checkers are joining up with Vancouver. Something along those lines. You're going to have three teams affiliating with each other. None of them obviously affecting Belleville, but it makes an interesting storyline. You know, if, for example, if, if Laval decided not to play. Because you know they're they're not own like they're owned by Montreal, so it's a little bit different. But if they're like, hey, you know, we're not going to play this year. Imagine having Ottawa like a, a Montreal and Ottawa joint farm team. You know, imagine what that would like. Imagine having like a player on your farm like your, that your teammates with mm. that gets called up to Montreal, and then you get up called out Ottawa, and you're playing each other that night in in the NHL, and you're like, what the hell? Like it just. <laughs> That's a wild kind of one-year-only scenario that we're going to see. Well, they've done it in the past, and they've, they've tried to, to uh, push it away, which is why Seattle is expected to announce an AHL team uh, some point between now and the start of the NHL regular, se- uh, AHL regular season. The, the AHL is not allowing them to, to split squads with another team. But it's interesting to look at how this used to be the norm, where, like, two teams would split an AHL team because the AHL teams weren't looked as like a competitive team. They were just a development league and how things have changed within the last like decade. Yeah. And, and personally, you know, going to the Belleville games, they're really exciting games. I mean, it's a great product. So like you said, if they're able to kind of up their market marketability a little bit and provide fans with, a proper stream and, you know, proper video quality and really put some money into the arenas and make them much more marketable, then you have a product that's already there. It's a very good product. The AHL is not just a fighting league like it used to be. It's, you know, it's a not just a development league like it used to be. It's a really good competitive um, 
league to watch and it's fun hockey to watch. That's for sure. I mean, it's the same thing with the East Coast leagues or like those kind of leagues as well. But with that being said, uh, you know, last last segment of the of the episode, uh, sponsors. Uh, it was just announced that Bell Media will be wearing, will be having their logo presented on the black helmet. Uh, so basically, the home helmet for the Ottawa Senators, and then Canadian Tire Center will be on the road, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're not going to have a random blue logo on our, you know, red or on our white helmet when it should be red. Uh, they'll be able to do a white logo on the black, so it should be fine. What's your opinion on this? And is it a one year? Like, is, do you think this is going to be a one year thing, or do you think the NHL? I mean, it's more than just helmets. The, the divisions are now being sold off for advertising. I said I said this earlier. Anyone that thinks this is a one off, this is a one year thing, is fooling themselves. Like, the NHL is not going to turn down money, and ultimately, what's going to happen is fans are going to forget that it's there probably a week in no probably the first game of the regular season fans are not going to be talking anymore about bell across the helmet or canadian tire logo across the helmet or the scotia bank north division no we're going to be focused on the hockey we're going to be talking about the hockey and people will forget it's even there so the nhl is probably going to say why not just cash in on this permanently we need to make up for money that we lost from this, uh, you know, COVID situation. So I, I really, really have a hard time believing that this is a one year thing. Uh, I think it's sticking around and I think they're easing people into it by saying, Oh, don't worry. It's a one year thing. It's just a one-off. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's anything close to a one-off. I think really within the next three years, we'll have a logo on the Jersey. You know, I know as much as I love jerseys and I know there's a lot of, you know, you know, traditionalists, and that's the problem. You cannot be a traditionalist league and hope to survive. It's not how it goes anymore. You know, the NBA, nothing, nothing, pro- no problems with their logo on their jersey because you don't buy the jerseys with the logo on it. And I think that's really all it is, is that you're not going to go to a buy an Adidas jersey at, you know, um, the Sun Store or at Sports Check and it's going to have Canadian Tire on the, on the shoulder. It's not going to do that. You're going to get a blank jersey that has, you know, the Adidas logo on the back. And that, and you know, the team logo at the front, and that's it. You know, you can buy the authentics. And I honestly, I would not be surprised if they were made available with the logo on it. And I wonder how much that would affect jersey sales, honestly. Yeah. Again, I think initially it, there will be a reaction, and then people will will just kind of forget it's there. It'll just be part of the uniform. It'll kind of blend in. Same with the the bell thing across the helmet. Um, I'm hopeful that it's not a blue. I don't know if you got a chance to look at the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, You know, the Leafs are going with a Scotia Bank logo on their white road helmet, and it's red, and it's going to look horrible. (laughs) Well, that's why I think Bell is going to go on. The reason why Bell's at home is they can do a white logo. Yeah, they did on the Habs as well. They've got a white on the blue um, Habs helmet, and it looks fine. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same thing where Bell – is a white on the black instead of it being blue on the on the home or on the on the white. It just made instead of changing your colors to a red to match Rogers, you're gonna change it to white, put it on the home, and then yeah. Canadian Tire, which is already red, can be on the on the road. It makes perfect sense. I wish Scotiabank changed it to blue for the road jerseys. It would like for the road have a lot nicer. But you know, personally, spending uh 
an Adidas jersey without like a blank Adidas jersey with only the Adidas on the back or 160 bucks for a blank Adidas jersey that had the Canadian tire state like logo on the corner on the right corner would you really care like would you would you take the $40 discount would you or would you make that big of a stinker at oh I don't want the Canadian tire thing on my jersey I'm gonna pay the extra 40 bucks to not have it there yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, you know, I, I'd have to get past it. It would take me a minute. I would have to have my kind of outburst and reaction initially. I would get. I would get past it pretty quickly. I don't think it's you know something that ultimately is going to change the look. Uh, the look of the jersey again, as long as the colors and everything kind of mesh and they blend in, like the NBA does it like you said, perfectly well, where it just kind of blends in. You don't even really notice it there. Uh, if they do something like that, it, it is what it is. You have to do it financially. So it is going to happen. We're telling you right now, it's definitely going to happen in the future. I would not be surprised. Um, you know, they've got ads almost everywhere on the ice, not quite like they do out in Europe, but, uh, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's just the way it is. We see it everywhere now. And, it also kind of leads into the next thing. You know, we see, and, and NBA is always going to be the one that we talk about because the NBA has used this branding and used these ads perfectly. When are we going to see the NHL and NHL equipment providers start releasing signature gear? You know, I, I know you can, they're going to, they can market it as, oh, these are the skates that McDavid wears. But there's a difference between saying, oh, these are the skates McDavid wears and then saying these are, you know, the CCM McDavid, uh, you know, McDavid twos or McDavid uh, speed ones kind of thing. You completely different marketing scheme because now players are going to be like, okay, well, I know he wears these, but now I have his name on it. There's a name. It's just like sticks. I know people who buy, will only buy certain player sticks because it has their name on the stick. So why not move that to equipment where you can buy, skates that have McDavid on them or gloves that have McDavid on them and, you know, a wide variety of colors. I think it would be great. Yeah. The NHL, I mean, they struggle. They openly struggle with marketing their star players. I mean, it's something that the NBA does extremely well. Like when you're comparing the two leagues, the NBA probably does it better than anybody. Like you said, you have signature equipment. Uh, I know the NFL probably does it as well. I guess the difference being that anyone could wear shoes, but only, you know, select people that play hockey wear, you know, signature Connor McDavid skates or whatever. But, but in the broader sense, the NHL does a really, really poor job of marketing their top players. If you ask even a general hockey fan who the top five NHL players are, they could probably name McDavid and Crosby and that's about it. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's not just skates. Like, we've seen it with the NFL. You know, J.J. Watt has his own, you know, training shoe out of Reebok. So, you know, you don't just have to do hockey equipment. You can do training equipment. You can do, you know, the shoes and the 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 apparel. You know, you have the – I don't even know what his logo would be. Probably like a, a CM and a 97 kind of combined. And, you know, you would be able to sell that instead of just having, you know – gloves and skates it's just a matter about how confident is ccm or bauer willing to put money on hey i'm going to make you you know here's a signature clothing collection 
we're going to make big money. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other part to that argument is that maybe Connor McDavid isn't the most marketable person either because he just has like a, a robotic flat personality. <laughs> He's too humble. You're going to need to go after a guy like Kachuk. Like Matthew. I want a little more in your face, flashy, yeah. not afraid to express opinions. Yeah, you know, uh, would have been the perfect guy to start this off with. Ovechkin. Yeah. The fact that the fact that Bauer, yeah, exactly. Bauer didn't do this with Ovechkin when he first came into the league. Because so if I remember correctly, he wore all Bauer when he first came into the league. Is, yeah, he had that signature look too. He had the you know the drawstrings. Um, coming off the pant, he had Bauer everything. Yeah, and he had. Far, you know, was it CCM? Wasn't it CCM uh, Vector? Maybe I can't remember that far back. I think but, it was CCM originally. Either way, like he had the he had the the you know tinted visor. Yeah, he had the the yellow skate like the yellow um, skate laces. Like he had a look, and all it's going to take it's not even going to take the NHL to do it because once a big company decides to do it. Like, let's say Bauer were to tell, you know, Alexei Lafreniere, okay, we're going to sign you to this contract. You're going to only wear our gear. We're going to make your own line. Everything else is going to roll in. You know, if, if they were, especially if they were prominent in the States, if they wanted to do this in the States, you do that with Austin Matthews. You go to Austin Matthews, if you're CCM or whatever, and tell them like, Hey, we're going to here, here's a exclusive contract. We're gonna pay you, I don't know, a uh, hundred mil over ten years. You're gonna only wear, you know, our brand, but we're also gonna make your own brand that you can wear and you can sell and you get a profit off of that brand as well. And you're our brand, like it's things like that where it could have, like that could go a long way. Yeah, the, they should start to enter that market, the apparel market they should start to do things differently than they have because they just aren't doing a very good job, you know, as I mentioned of, of marketing their star players. And that's how, that's one avenue of growing the game, uh, especially in the States, you know, it's already huge in Canada, but that's the market that they miss the most. And they just don't have, they don't, they discourage personality basically in the NHL. It'd be so cool if players were able to just wear their general street clothes coming to games like we see NBA players. You know, how many times do you go through your NBA Twitter and you look uh, just for the outfits that players are wearing ahead of playoff games and you're looking at their shoes and you're looking at kind of what branding they're wearing. Um, I know when Kawhi Leonard was with the Raptors, New Balance, suddenly their sales in Toronto absolutely skyrocketed. I mean, New Balance, the most plain, boring-looking brand that there is, became extremely popular. And and that's because of players like Kawhi Leonard. So the NHL has to look at what the NBA is doing and try to capitalize on some of that and, and be more creative. Think outside the box and leave some of those traditions behind. Yeah. I mean, it's a, the league cannot be traditionalist and continue to survive. It's that simple. We're going to have to see it. We're going to see it. We've seen it in the MLB where, you know, unwritten rules, this, that, and the other thing, like things like that. Um. Yeah, that I agree. NHL is a reactive league, not a proactive league, and they've been reactive way too long. But yes. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to see something change in the NHL. And I mean, they've been profitable. They've been able to to increase the league, and you know, Seattle's gonna help. But they need to do more. And unfortunately, it's kind of out of their control. They can't go to Bauer and be like, "Hey, make this guy, you know, 
uh, a signature shoe or, or a signature skate or whatever, but it's going to take that kind of effort from them to like from one of those companies to kickstart it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they make themselves look Mickey Mouse in ways. And I think, um, you know, whoever it was that just made that comment is, is dead on. They're very reactive, you know, when it comes to social justice issues, when it comes to anything, the NHL is always waiting for the other leagues to make the first move and then they react. And it's just, it, it has this Mickey Mouse feeling, even when it comes to, you know, the CBA negotiations that we just seen, it's like, oh no, no, we're not playing a season. We want to ask for more from the players. And then it's like, actually, never mind. We'll just go with what we have. And it just makes it look so Mickey Mouse. You know what I mean? It's it's all reactive stuff. It's not stuff that they, you know, thought about months down the road and, you know, had a plan in place. No, and I mean, that, and that's the unfortunate part is I don't think this league actually looks five years down the road. <laughs> like, no, it's, it's live for today mode. Yeah, basically. But, you know, it's been an interesting week in the hockey community. A lot of things have gone in and out of uh, the hockey world. It's only going to get more interesting next week as we hit our first slate of games, which next Wednesday, uh, opening up with some games. Obviously, Ottawa's first game isn't until Friday. But if you want to hear more from myself and Derek, we just hopped on the hockey podcast. Um, you'll be able to check it out. It's on their Twitter or it's on their YouTube, Facebook page, hockey podcast. Uh, it'll be on, you know, Spotify and whatnot. But Upcoming, you know, we're going to have a little bit more to talk about. We're going to dive into some pre way too early Olympic predictions and lineups over the next probably two months. So we have that coming up. And obviously, we're going to be talking about your Ottawa Senators and what's going on. But I'm excited for this season. It's literally a week away. Uh, man, I can't wait. It's been so long since we've had Senators hockey that next Friday cannot come here quick enough. Yeah, it's over 300 days now, so uh, the countdown is officially at 9, and we look forward to talking about actual Ottawa Senators hockey in the next little while. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening. It's been always a pleasure. Follow us at Suns underscore hour on Instagram and Twitter. Remember, we have our customized sports giveaway going on, so definitely check that out. Follow Derek at DLee075 on Twitter. You can also check out his articles. He just released a new article Today, I know with everything going on, sports aren't really in their everyone's mind. But you know, I, I realistically we shouldn't really be distracted with what's going on. But we also need to remember to take a step back from the screens and kind of relax and focus on ourselves. So hopefully, you can help. We can we can help you with that. But remember, he has a new article dropped. Follow him. He has uh, Sunshot, New Era Sends. Follow me, Shane underscore Ryan ninety seven. Uh, for all your hockey and sports needs, playoffs, NFL playoffs are coming up. So you'll want to stay tuned. Uh, I got a couple of things in the works. Hopefully that they all fall through. Um, I'm really excited for it. But yeah, guys, thank you all for listening. Check out the Hockey Podcast Network if you already haven't. Fan of any other team. Full slate of stuff. But stay safe. Have a safe one. And we'll catch you back here with a new episode next Monday. Take care.